um and we also see that across sectors like not just for um, you know clean energy but across sectors uh, the policy focus on women is uh, is limited to the parts of the value chain where women are already present so if if the if the textile sector that will that those policies will still have a focus on women if it's clean cooking it will definitely have a focus on women but um policies on new and emerging sectors like e mobility uh would not have a focus on women because that becomes a very non traditional sector for uh you know women particularly that was shelly ja energy access program associate at the council on energy environment and water and this is the power for all podcast a forum for leaders working to end energy poverty at cew shelly works on access to clean cooking energy and livelihoods with a focus on gender and social inclusion and leads the work on integrating a gender lens in powering livelihoods a 3 million dollar initiative welcome shelly thank you dada thank you for having me here and uh, introducing me Um our conversation today is based on CEW's recent report uh, improving women's productivity and incomes through clean energy in India. Um now most MSMEs run by women uh, in the clean energy sector most um most likely to be first time entrepreneurs. Um and this makes it crucial to develop reliable networks for technical, financial and marketing assistance. There also needs strong linkages with programs aimed at accelerating clean energy solutions as well as women's entrepreneurship. So how can we build into these programs ways to increase asset and propriety ownership of women through clean energy initiatives? Thank you Dada for the question. I think I, I think you've raised a very important point here and um you know in the past 2 to 3 years uh the work that we've been doing at council has uh, focused primarily on looking at energy for livelihoods. and uh, one of the first pieces that we worked on uh, suggested that how uh, 4.3 million micro enterprises in india particularly operated by both men and women they suggest that lack of reliable electricity does act like a biggest bottleneck for them now access to electricity uh, as we all know has the ability to drive economic and social development by increasing productivity and enabling me- mechanization along with reducing drudgery uh but women traditionally have had limited access to mechanization as compared to men in even in family based occupations due to gendered social economic barriers that deprive women of decision making control and access to credit in economic activities um therefore there is a need to uh, focus on women when we are looking at clean energy solutions for livelihoods now this is not just uh, not just saying that the focus should be on women because you know they are they are traditionally uh, they have limited access to mechanization but also there is a huge business value of gender inclusion that clean energy businesses um, can exploit and focusing on uh, women run micro enterprises uh, gives them the opportunity to expand their markets and improve their profits as well um in india alone women comprise of half of the self employed farmers and own over 1/4 of proprietary micro small and medium enterprises units so uh, and even when um, micro enterprises are not owned by women um they they are also uh, uh, com- they also comprise a large share of workers even like for example in farm sector 43% of the agricultural labor force is women therefore it becomes important to uh, you know look at your product design your business models um, of these clean energy enterprises uh, which can focus on uh, women customers now um, like 
as you highlighted some of the key challenges that when which comes up when when we're looking at women customers are access to finance because generally as well access to finance is a challenge for women but but this gets further exacerbated for um you know uh, dre products which are often which are often associated with high upfront cost um and uh, also if there are women trying to work in non traditional sectors uh, like if if there's a woman who wants to buy an e rickshaw um it often comes with the with its own socio cultural barriers uh the other aspect is that with asset acquisition return on investment comes over a longer period of time uh which means that market linkage support and access to networks to you know sell your product products becomes all the more important so you can't have an a, a woman end user just you know buy that clean energy product but there needs to be that market linkage which can translate this improved productivity which comes with clean energy producing clean energy to improved income um and then of course there are aspects around which we after sales services and technical training which we are all aware of now um how how we've looked at this in our research is what can clean energy enterprises do and what can the sector do in terms of what can the clean energy enterprises do uh, we've seen that uh, these enterprises have worked with end consumers or end users as we call them uh, into by two approaches one is a product based approach where the clean energy enterprises is offering sales and service of the product uh, to these end users and other aspects of the business like uh, market linkage uh, backward and forward market linkage financing training etc i either managed by the end user themselves and more like in most cases it is through partners now these could be ngos or it could be state supported supported um, rural livelihood missions etc now through through this model we see that many clean energy enterprises who were primarily working with um, male kind consumers have now been able to reach women micro uh, enterprises and women end users because the cost and the effort associated with you know aspects like community training setting up market linkage financing is often either borne by the partner organization or um it, it is shared with the partner organization the other approach that clean energy enterprises are using are uh, the value chain approach uh, where with the support of multiple partners the clean energy enterprises are themselves involved all through the end users business value chain so they would be involved in training financing product deployment buyback of finished products like giving that market linkage support um now more, more and more clean energy enterprises are now focusing on this value chain approach for sustainable growth through repeated customers and closer engagement with micro enterprises because this sort of also enables them in uh, you know verticalization of their product uh, of their product range and also it also enables the end users to move into a more mass entrepreneurship zone where one end user is then employing other workers and that is leading to a, a larger chain of um, you know livelihood created and we we we've seen like products like solar dryers uh, innovators who are working with products like solar dryers have ventured into food processing value chain and um ensured like there is a proper financing mecha mechanism and there is a buyback um and and in both these models we've seen that the partnerships with uh, either ngos resource organizations or women organizations that work on livelihoods are have been a predominant medium of 
um, financing, building on uh, philanthropic capital invested in these NGOs and resource organizations. Um, coming to the second point on what the sector can do, um, we've primarily focused on looking at what can incubation and acceleration programs do. Um, so while a range of uh, incubation uh, and acceleration programs, which we call as entrepreneurship development programs, have come up uh, in the sector, and uh, a lot of women entrepreneurs of uh, who, who are part of these clean energy innovation companies have benefited from these uh, uh, entrepreneurship development programs. But uh, there is very limited focus on these women end users or, or women-run micro-enterprises in rural and urban areas. So here we've seen that uh, entrepreneurship development programs can focus on um, uh, women micro-enterprises in a more targeted manner through, through, a, uh, through two approaches. Um, one is where uh, you know, a lot of these uh, entrepreneurship development programs have come up where they are focusing only on micro-enterprises and providing very targeted support to their needs of financing, training, and market linkage. Second is a lot of these existing incubation programs for which, which are for clean energy entrepreneurs. Uh, they are now providing financing and market linkage assistance to the customers of these clean energy enterprises as well. Because the way these uh, enterprises would grow is if they if they have a wider customer base, right? Um, so uh, and this is something uh, which we are also doing as part of the Powering Livelihoods program along with. Uh, our partners will grow where we have a component of end user financing that provides capital and installation support to the users to these customers of clean energy um, enterprises and through a range of uh, support uh, and this helps the micro entrepreneurs manage the high upfront costs required for procuring these machines which then in turn reduces drudgery and increase production increases production capacity and quality so, Shirley, the report also talks about finance being one of the biggest hurdles that women face in setting up their own businesses, and especially when it comes to the mechanization of their business processes. And you touched a little bit uh, on this issue before, but, um, you know, we know that usually when this, this sort of challenge occurs, uh, it means women dip into their own savings or they borrow from uh, non-financial entities. Uh, so how do, you, how do we overcome this challenge and what kind of financial structures or funding programs can resolve this? Yeah, um, thank you, Deva. I mean, finance does become a major challenge because as it is, it is we're talking about women who, who don't have, uh, you often don't have business registration, collateral, margin money, and there is a trust deficit from the financials end about their loan repayment capacity. Um, and this, uh, all this is further exasperated uh, by the high upfront cost and also the novelty of the technology being used. Uh, and here, when it comes to like clean energy powered livelihood technologies, which are not very well known, uh, financiers are often reluctant to provide that financing. Uh, and also because there, there isn't a lot of knowledge about uh, how viable these technologies are. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and all that sort of adds up and becomes all the more challenging for women to access these loans. Um, but we see uh, some of the key uh, aspects in which we've seen financing happen in the sector and uh, some of the key recommendations that we're giving is um, mainly uh, into three parts. One being um, clean energy and how clean energy enterprises and their partners can come in in enabling this financing. 
Um, so the entrepreneur's role is very significant in building financial confidence to formalize lending to first-time borrowers, especially in the non-traditional livelihood space. Um, and uh, the way they can do this is acting as aggregators of loan demand for these financial institutions and uh, enabling this uh, end-user financing um, for the customers that they, for their own customers. And uh, a lot of clean energy enterprises have already done that by partnering with a range of non-banking non financial corporations or even small finance banks uh, and have provided that financing support to their customers. Uh, the second is by provide these uh, clean energy enterprises could leverage the, their own profits or philanthropic capital that they're raising to provide margin money assistance uh, or financing uh, to their customers through like a revolving fund or providing like a first loss default guarantee. Um, this has also uh, worked in a lot of cases and enabled that financing, especially for women who don't have a credit and saving history. Um, the second stakeholder that uh, we've looked at is the financials themselves. And, and we've seen that uh, for women enabling credit through either through in incentives or using alternate credit assessment methods, which go beyond um, just looking at their credit and savings history uh, is, is really helpful and has worked. Uh, and a lot of uh, financing organizations are now also looking at leveraging the uh, credit history of women uh, as part of the loans that they've borrowed from collectives or microfinance institutions, and then giving them loan uh, through their own finance uh, channels. Um, and as we know, uh, microfinance institutions in the past also have had a very tra targeted focus on women um, as, a as a target segment. Um, but uh, MFI loan has is a smaller ticket size than what uh, is required, often required for uh, uh, DRE-powered livelihood appliances. So, um, uh, and some of the um, MFIs are already doing this, but a separate segment within the MFI, which is like an entrepreneurship loan, which can uh, lend to women for asset acquisition where ticket size is larger than the usual MFI loans, um, is one of the key recommendations that we're also um, putting out. The third stakeholder that we've, we've talked about are how donors can invest in financial institutions lending to women in particular, which can meet uh, women's uh, asset acquisition needs and provide tailored financial support to these women, for, uh, especially for mechanization. Um, here, I want to also want to drive that point that in context of COVID-19 and its impact on livelihoods, uh, aspects like grants and subsidy, especially subsidy from government schemes, um, do have a very important role to play in the sector. Uh, catalytic grants are needed to facilitate better access to loans, especially for new products and underbanked customer segments like women. So we're not really saying that you know uh, grants should be the only way that uh, women are able to access these products, but they can be a very, um, they can be a facilitating uh, mechanism for um, women to be able to then uh, finance these products. So um, based on your research, how have you seen clean energy businesses reach out to more women customers as well as end users? And what are some of the key motivations for them to cater to women? Yeah, so clean energy enterprises uh, do recognize that by investing in gender inclusion initiatives, uh, business could generate more opportunities for women um, end users and also expand their top line. 
so it's a win win for them uh, to be honest and there are a range of push factors that enable these uh, clean energy enterprises to uh, opt for a gender inclusion approach in their businesses uh, so one of them is primarily uh, for uh, enterprises which are working in sectors which have a predominant customer base so for example textile industry or agri processing industry um th that becomes a very by default choice for them um then uh, for um, grants and financial in 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 incentives or external push from entrepreneurship development programs um have often acted as incentives for these businesses to um work with women customers or to 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 do a pilot with women customers and then um you know do a more large scale initiative um and and similarly new market uh, opportunities with uh, partners like ngos or uh, state rural livelihood missions have also acted like as nudges to explore that opportunity and last but not the least is the um, entrepreneurs personal motivation and passion to work with women and a lot of the innovators themselves come up with this thing that they they want to address that particular challenge of um, you know uh, of reducing drudgery for women particularly um and um i think clean energy enterprises have also taken up a range of activities to to be able to reach more women customers and create that sustainable revenue and these range from not just like women friendly product design but also changing and or adapting their business model um to to suit uh, more women by maybe by um getting more women sales agent on board uh, having a lot more door to door after sale reliable uh, servicing which which helps women use the technology better having a more accessible training uh, of using the product uh, etc and also uh, enabling and facilitating end user financing in a way that um that is easier for these women to access these products now this could be either through a financing mechanism or um you know uh, a lot of innovators have uh, had like rental models or pay per use models which again makes it easier for women to be able to access these technologies and uh, and definitely uh, enabling these buyback mechanisms for the uh, finished goods um the other aspect that uh, we also see is that a lot of uh, uh, innovators have also gone into uh, community based workshops and a, a, a lot of addressing these um, social norms within the household and outside the household uh, which also helps in bringing um, uh, enabling women to be able to run their business in a more sustainable manner so uh, not just working um, on the business side but also on the community side and um and here i think uh, one of the main points that i would like to drive is uh, around how women friend like how enterprises have started working on women friendly designs and uh, th that has often started with pilots um and once um, you know um once they, the enterprises experience that these design changes especially women friendly design changes have led to productivity and profitability gains uh they have then integrated these design changes within their business models and as many clean energy companies are in their early stage of business they are open to suggestions on modifying their product design or uh, business approaches in a way that it will lead to uh, you know uh, expanding their customer base 
um so um that that's one aspect of it but here i'd also like to highlight the role that um entrepreneurship development programs can play in um, enabling clean energy enterprises to reach more women customers um a range of these uh, programs have included a gen gender lens in their approach that goes beyond just supporting women run uh, clean energy enterprises towards mainstreaming gender inclusion approach across their business functions uh, which sort of helps enterprises to invest strategically in women customers um and uh, again something that we've also been doing as part of powering livelihoods is um using a very gender integrated and targeted approach across the program by um you know doing uh, pilots with these enterprises uh, uh so that they are able to to reach more women customers and also um uh, serve their um, needs and um, uh, prov provide that kind of financing support to them yeah that's really interesting um and you know i like what you said about having this um like for a lot of enterprises having that personal motivation is crucial um but uh, i think also having larger kind of policies that um fit in gender budgeting into the process of improving uh, clean energy access for women is also um, a really big part of that process so uh, just as my last question like how can um, you know how can government there are a lot of government initiatives already that exist for you know women's energy access entrepreneurship employment etc uh, but how do we um, how do we integrate clean energy alternatives into these existing schemes yeah um you you're right there are a lot of uh, uh, schemes that exist uh, which are either focusing on clean energy or focusing on on women or focusing on livelihoods um but what we see is that uh, currently the energy sector policies they don't have a targeted uh, focus on women's livelihoods and very few policies which focus on uh, um like which have a focus on women they have integrated like a mechanization lens so there's not like a um, you know uh, intersection of uh, you know energy livelihoods and gender is something that is missing in the policies that we have currently um and we also see that across sectors like not just for um, you know clean energy but across sectors uh, the policy focus on women is uh, is limited to the parts of the value chain where women are already present so if it's the it's the textile sector that will that those policies will still have a focus on women if it's clean cooking it will definitely have a focus on women but um policies on new and emerging sectors like e mobility uh would not have a focus on women because that becomes a very non traditional sector for uh, you know women particularly um the other thing that we see is that clean energy product variants are not really integrated across um uh, you know policies of core end use sectors like agriculture textiles food processing and uh, there is a definite need to build on the existing schemes on on mechanization uh, to integrate this lens of dre powered because um a lot of these uh, schemes existing schemes that offer sort of support on technology upgradation through capital subsidy or or margin money assistance etc they they're not really so far they're not yet designed uh, to factor in the high upfront cost of clean energy appliances so that is definitely a shift that we would have to make to make these uh, schemes accessible uh, for both men and women who want to um, uh, procure clean energy enterprises um the one more thing is around how these 
teams on which are focusing on mechanization they need to be complemented with skill upgradation for women to enable transition from low opportunity and low paying jobs to better skilled and better paid jobs um and some of the key recommendations that we give and something that even you brought up is around gender responsive budgeting and mainstreaming these gender inclusive policy targets in especially within the energy ministries so i'd just like to break down what gender budgeting is so gender budgeting uses budget as one of the avenues to correct the gender gap so rather than just being a accounting exercise uh, it, it, it's like an opportunity for ministries to look at uh, integrating a focus on women on uh, every every aspect of policy making be it policy design implementation evaluation um in india uh, gender budgeting uh, has been around since 2005 um but it has sort of remained um uh, under 5% of the overall budget of the country uh, so far um and the way we, uh, the way indian government looks at it is uh, looking at what is the quantum of public expenditure which is your mark for programs which are only focusing on women and uh, with like with 100% provision for women and then um the second part being uh, where programs have a focus of uh, 30 to 30 to 99% on women so over 30% um on women now uh energy ministries so far um are, they are not really uh, reporting much expenditure on women specifically targeting on women except for when it comes to clean cooking which is where uh, we want to drive this point of uh, you know we need to focus on women beyond clean cooking as well and um, and uh, dre for livelihoods uh, provides us with that opportunity um and uh, this can be uh, done by um, you know driving gender disaggregated data across policy design implementation and evaluation uh, so that we are at least able to understand how these programs are benefiting women or how are they not benefiting women and then act on that um and and then um when we're looking at a gender inclusive policy design um uh, from the very outset of like when we're when we're writing policy guidelines um it would ensure that women's needs are integrated uh, uh you know at the very onset during the conceptualization of these policies and schemes um and all this would happen uh, especially gender budgeting approach and uh, you know getting this gender disaggregated data and having a very targeted focus on women in policy design implementation needs to be complemented with uh, capacity building for not just for policy makers but implementation officials so that they're able to design and implement these schemes with a very focused gender lens yeah that's interesting thanks for sharing that jelly um and thank you so much for joining us on this podcast and for the work that you and CEW are doing in this sector um for our listeners this report and other CEW publications are available on their website cew.in uh thank you once again jelly for joining us thank you dega this has been really exciting And thank you all for listening. A reminder that you can find a wealth of sector news, analysis and data on our website powerforall.org and our platform for energy access knowledge peak. You can also sign up to receive our monthly newsletter and if you'd like to support our work, you can make a donation via our homepage. Speak to you soon on the next episode of Power for All.